Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborg and Life Live. Today we are going to be talking about angels and demons. Copyright Dan Brown, who's that the guy, Da Vinci Code, yeah. Um, so, but we're going to look into a little bit what, what's behind that whole phenomenon. My name is Kurt Schultz. I'm the host of Swedenborg and Life. This is Jonathan Rose. Hey everybody. He's a co-host, but he's also the series editor. He has another job, which is a series editor of the New Century Edition translation right. of Emmanuel Swedenborg's, from which books you will see quotes today that's right and so on thank you for thank you for your work and thanks for being here with us it's very much fun curtis thank, thank you thanks to all of you for being with us uh the sweet morgan life live experience wouldn't be live if you guys weren't here i mean i guess it would technically be live but it'd be like a real sad kind of live it would be <laughs> like, yeah we're here live hopefully someone watches this <laughs> at some point we're going to go through our usual steps today in case this is your first time. They follow mm. as such. We're going to have an icebreaker question to get us started. That's right. We will be looking for your responses as well as ours. We'll have our Swedenborg keywords where we make it possible for all of you to be able to read Swedenborg. Because you can't just do it off the shelf. It's, it's, no, it's that's a, right. It's a complex a little bit of coconut to crack. Yeah. This We're going to go on a road trip into the spiritual world. We're going to get live Q&A. We're going to hear from a fan who is enthusiastically excited about Swedenborg. And I can use those two words in sequence because it's uh, our friend Chris Dunn who is, does right. describe him well. That does describe him. And then we'll be hearing your responses to this icebreaker. So if you can believe we're going to do all that, then mm. then you're right. Because we're, do we're starting right now in section one with the icebreaker. This is what we do every week to make it make things a little less awkward. Did I say that last time? Maybe. It was it's awkward that I just said that again. Good. I wish we had something to talk about to take our mind off of that. How about a question? Oh, a question's How about good. A Swedenborg related question. And as we answer this here, we want you all to be breaking the ice in the chat room, writing your own responses. We'll be gathering them and at the end we'll take a look at that. The question is as follows. Mm. Oh, I thought it was going to appear below. Uh, I forgot. The icebreaker. What Biblical stories, internal sense, are you most curious? Ah, particularly about? biblical questions. And I and I do feel like you're not gonna you're not gonna get a question like this anywhere else because it's a very <laughs> Swedenborgy question. It is, and isn't Swedenborg's it? enthusiast question, because it's not just like, oh, you know that Swedenborg talks about an inner level of meaning to the stories in the old New Testaments, but which one are you interested in? Yeah. So you have right. to be a the bar bit is of high tonight. Yeah. Nerd. That's right. So let's let's do this. Um I actually I know that you're a scholar of Swedenborg and the mm. Bible. So, is there anything that you any stone you feel like is currently unturned? You'd like wow. To well, f first of all, I just want to say that uh, so often when I'm reading, like this word or that word will be a little clear, but most of it is like, wow, what is going on? I just yeah. have that kind of permanent experience yeah. of reading scripture, thinking I maybe get a hint of what that is, but what is that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, should I answer the question? What please, do you think? The, please do. Um, well, uh, I've been reading lately in Exodus, uh, early on in Exodus there, and something just struck me as a pattern in the story. I've read that story many times before. It's about Moses, how he leads the children of Israel out mm -hmm. of Egypt and all that. But a little detail jumped out at me recently when I was reading, which is that Moses, you know, in the sort of human story or something he yeah. uh goes to pharaoh says let my people go and then he leads the people out in the wilderness eventually takes them to mount sinai and gives several them the, movies made about that that's whole right thing. the ten commandments and all that stuff, prince right? of egypt that's what so they on, do so on yeah well i didn't realize that before he does that he does the thing and that whole thing lasts for 40 years yeah before that he does the same thing only he's a leader of sheep He's a shepherder, and I remember that detail that he was in charge of these sheep. But it was for 40 years, and first of all, when he first encounters the sheep, he drives away these bad shepherds, and then he waters the sheep, and then he leads them off into the wilderness for 40 years, and they get to Mount Sinai. What? And so it's like he does a whole practice run with the sheep. That comes first. Yeah. And so from the age of 40 to 80, he does that. And then when he's 80, he does it with the human beings. And so I was really wondering, what does that mean? Yeah. And does that reflect something in Jesus's life? Because so many things in the Old Testament really inwardly have something to do with Jesus's story. So I, I have no clue, but that's, it was just a fascinating pattern to me. Yeah. Wow. And if, if Moses wrote the 
his autobiography, you'd think it'd mostly be about that journey, but just as much it's about oh, the 40 years I spent with his sheep. Yeah, like, that's, that's just right. the biggest section. Yeah, probably wow. taught him a lot. Yeah, but it's got to, you know, yeah, it's it's got to mean something. And, and, so. and the more bizarrely it sticks out, the more it seems like it's got ripe with it meaning. It has to, and Swedenborg yeah. talks about that, doesn't he? That, yeah. that you can tell it's got some meaning because yeah. why else would you, why would it be this way? Cool. How well, about you? Uh, so... There's and I Swedenborg may well explain this one. I don't know, but um, I think about there's a case in which Swedenborg says that that the internal sense, the, there's like the spiritual meaning of the Bible can can and in the highest <laughs> Excuse level. Excuse me. <laughs> didn't didn't I have like there was an episode long ago when I, I sneezed for the yeah, first that, time? That's right. On the that's camera. right. So you're you you did no, it. No, I've been baptized. All right. <laughs> so you, you didn't last as long as I did. <laughs> it's probably gotten dustier in here. Um, so the, the oh the meaning so the, yes. the, the the meaning is the feeling that he talks about right. he writes that when Pharaoh says what is this you have done to me or, or I think it's Pharaoh it's something that outrage that that is the feeling the feeling right, is the, the feeling meaning holds the inner meaning so yeah. I think about the feeling in it and there are certain lines in the Bible that when I read them they just make me feel a certain way and mm. it can be pretty strong and one of those it's in the New Testament I don't remember which gospel it might be Luke that where it's really said in the way that I like it um, and it is when Jesus is being crucified mm. and the thieves are there on the other side and the, okay and I, there's a sort of the beginning of this little part is you know the, the words were written above him in Greek Latin and Hebrew this is the king of the Jews and so then one of them says hey if you're the Christ Save yourself and us. Get get down from right. here. And the kind other of one mocking him, just mocking. Yeah, and and then right. the other one says, "Do you know, you do not even fear God, seeing as we are under the same condemnation, and we're, we deserved it, but this guy doesn't." So that's sort of the lead up. But the but then he turns and he says to Jesus Christ, um, "Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom." And and it might seem like he's just saying, "Hey, I did you a solid. When you get there, hook me up." But to me, it feels like. It feels like wistful and like he's not asking for a reward. He's just like, don't forget it. Don't, not like, don't forget me, like hook me up, but like, just don't mm. forget that we had this moment. And to me, I just feel like right. that's something. That's so beautiful. It's something beautiful. And, and he's like, his life is over. Yeah. Like his life as an experiment kind of failed in the sense that he's, right. he's being crucified because of crimes he's committed and stuff like that. And yet that earnest sort of plea it is uh, yeah i like that a lot to me That's like beautiful. there's something there's something yeah there's it's, something it's like the there. sheep there's something what is that yeah there's yeah. something going on so those are our answers That's great. we want to hear what are your answers what kind of things are you wondering about uh what treasures may be hidden beneath the surface so we did that we're warm and when we're warmed up there's no better place to go than the mighty swedenborg keywords which we're going to get to ah. in part two Again, we have to defend ourselves every time. And I think this is against imaginary enemies because I've never had anybody complain <laughs> no. about the Swedenborg <laughs> right. keywords. Right. But as we, we keep saying, it's important for you to understand these specific terms that Swedenborg uses a lot and uses in a very different way than you think. That's right. That's right. He, he, Swedenborg has a habit, it seems to me, of adopting terminology that's familiar to people. Yeah. Yep. Uh, like a term like grace or... Uh, you know, various different things, the last judgment, things like that. Yes. He'll use these terms from existing Christianity of his times, but he kind of gives it a spin or something like yeah. it's like it, it's it's different in the way that he uses it. And yes. so if you don't realize that, you may think, oh, I think he's talking about the same thing that we all talk about. Yes. You know. But, yes. And, the, and for this. And that's why it seems important to him. To do this, because you don't want you don't want to, you, you go around. You can open Swedenborg, read it, get the total wrong impression of what his overall uh, reporting on reality is, and yeah. and there's a, a chance for all kinds of misunderstandings. So we're going to sort that out tonight. This is tonight, yeah, that's right. Tonight is none mm -hmm. other than angels and demons. That's right. And you might think this is just straightforward. You know, as an angel is an angel, there is thing got wings. And a demon is a demon. That's right. Like, aren't the theories that basically, and this is not just in Christianity, but in a variety of religious traditions, yeah. angels are some kind of separately created race. They've sort, of, they may be kind of humanoid in some sense, yeah. but they've always existed, yeah. and they didn't ever live on this planet or right. whatever. Uh, they're just, and their hierarchies are archangels and all kinds of layers to them. And then there's demons. There was. Uh, 
Satan, who was an angel, was up in heaven, but, yeah. but he did something bad and he fell. And, you know, that's right. And along with that is the idea that uh, people, it's related to the idea of the last judgment and that when we die, someday we will awaken in our physical bodies and come back into this world. Because yeah. it's also about, like, what is the afterlife? How does that whole thing work? Yeah. You know, so all those are kind of wrapped in together. So you got this idea out there, but is that really what angels and demons are? Assuming yeah. that they're really out there and that people right. do interact That's with right. them, is that what is that the explanation behind the phenomena? And we could kind of theorize about it, or we could go ask angels themselves, Okay, which is exactly what Swedenborg did. Good idea. And we're going to take a look here at Last Judgment 14, where he mm. reports on not only what they said about themselves, but why it's important. Mm. Angels rejoice at heart that it has now pleased the Lord to reveal a great deal about heaven and also about hell, and by this means to dispel, as much as possible, the darkness that has been increasing every day because the church has reached its end. Now, it's striking to me that those, yeah. it, it pained the angels yes. that there's so little information down here. Yeah. Like it was a relief to them to, wow, thank you. Yes. Oh. Yeah, you, you really did it. And you may have noticed I was so excited at the end of that because we're giving an example of why terminology is important right now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because you just saw in this sentence, it's, the darkness is increasing every day because the church has reached its end. Are you talking about the church, the Christian church? The like, building's like, falling like, down? Or Swe there still seems to be the same church that Swedenborg was in, like Swedish Lutheranism. Yeah, is still, that's still so on. So, yeah. We're not going to give you the explanation for that, but we're going to tell you in an upcoming show, we're going to explain what he means when he says the church. That's going to be another Because that is another, another keyword. That's right. That's, that's a there. good one. It's important. It's a good one. You have to keep tuning in. All so right. anyway, back to these angels who are excited about this new uh, truth that's reaching the information coming up. So they want me to assure you, and this is so angels are like, hey Swedenborg, make sure you tell the people this. Yeah. They want me to assure you on their behalf that there is not one angel in all of heaven who was created an angel from the beginning, and that there is no devil in hell who was created an angel of light. And cast down. Wow, you mean so all that stuff, all those theories and all that uh, is not true. Like he goes to the other side and he says, wait a minute. It's yeah. not the, I mean, he'd grown up with all those ideas. That was his dad taught that? There. Yeah. That's right. And it's, oh, it's not like that? Well, and let's hmm. let's read on to see how, where did that all come from? No, all the people in heaven and all the people in hell have come from humankind. So wait, what do you think that's saying? Like that means that, that, our ancestors and everybody who passes on old or young like that's who makes up heaven and hell that's it there's no there's nobody else up there except well there's like people on other planets okay which i know that book is coming that's, out that's soon. weird enough yeah, yeah. right <laughs> but no but there's not like nobody started in the afterlife nobody started there yeah, and the, yeah, the, yeah the, there, there so are interesting. these beings that fit that description, these fantastic angels, fantastic devils, but it's all something we're on a track to becoming, That's should we us. so choose it's it. Somewhere down the road. Here hmm. he says, the ones in heaven are the ones who lived lives of heavenly love and faith while in the world, and the ones in hell are the ones who lived lives of hellish love and faith. That's so weird to think about hellish love and hellish faith right it's a weird way to put it well but it, it but it's interesting that that it's not that it's not love it's just like an evil distorted you know sort of thing. again love being a keyword that we're doing That's a show right. on next week oh so, so i'm just good, saying man. you got to know what sweden we're talking about thing is good yeah and man keywords yeah. are awesome further what is called the devil and satan actually refers to hell as a whole Really? Okay, so there's not like one big devil, uh, you know, who sort of rules yeah. hell or something like that. Yeah. It's just like the aggregate of all those evil. people who ended up there. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. Like the, the, the thing that's driving hell, you could call the devil. When people say like the devil made me do it, we know they're talking yeah, we about do, yeah. evil. We, we say that, but yes, evil, evil, that's right. So why has the Christian world seized on this belief about the people in heaven and the people in hell? Good, I, good, good question, huh? Yeah, so yeah. angels have told me that it comes from a few passages in the word understood only in their literal meaning and not illuminated and explained by means of a genuine body of teaching drawn from the word. Wow. Okay. We were just talking about the Bible a little bit ago. Yes. We? Yeah. And I'm interested too that he uses the word few, like there's a few passages right, taken just literally out of context yeah. that have led people to, oh, well, there's 
like Isaiah 14, isn't it, about Lucifer who goes down, and there's, you know, there's just a few passages that's, oh, okay, you build this whole structure out of there, not understanding, oh, yeah. So That's not what that actually means. A little bit of lacking in context, and he's saying that that is what's at the root of all this stuff, but it wasn't just Christian traditions. As you were saying before, there's a lot of traditions that would have some sort of, there was, there's permanent afterlife beings. beings. Yeah, 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 that didn't come from us, but... But Swedenborg felt like, or, or professed, that a part, one part of his mission in recording this stuff and telling it was to show people how things really are in the afterlife, mm. because that kind of recalibrates how we approach life and what we think we are capable of doing and why we think things matter. It's a really pretty huge thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, if you think we're not, or like if you think... When we die, we sit in the ground until someday some last judgment happens or you doubt that story yeah. or, or you think we just, that's it, we're snuffed and it's yeah. over. Um, it makes quite a difference to how you feel about yourself, how you feel about aging and various other things uh, compared to thinking, wait a minute, I've got a shot at Angel? Like I yeah. could get there from, from here? You know, yes. It really does change your whole narrative. Well, you, you think about your own ceiling and you're like, okay. Well, I'm never going to be very good at basketball, and I don't really know how to put this IKEA furniture together. Like, what? I'm just not going to try that hard on myself, you know. But if you think I can get to be an angel and continue Ooh. to progress in love and wisdom, it gives you this renewed sense of of yeah. hope. Yeah, and yeah. and so That's this good. is important for people to know for a myriad for myriad reasons. Yeah. And Swedenborg writes further in Last Judgment 15 about uh, it's time. It was time for this stuff to come out. I've been allowed to meet with angels and have had conversations with people in hell. I've been engaged in this interaction for many years now, sometimes without interruption from morning to evening. It's like a whole day, day chat. Like these seminars or yeah, something. Well, yeah. kind of thing where you go to sleep, wake up the next Just day, like, have another meeting. And, put a long day at the spiritual right. office. And in this way, I have been taught about heaven and hell. This is why we're sitting here doing a show where we're just referencing what Swedenborg says, because he's not just like he had scattered experiences. He just had this methodical, long-lasting, thorough... So much exposure. Yeah, right. So this is why it's such a valuable store of information. This has happened so that the people of the church will no longer remain in their misconceived beliefs about a resurrection on Judgment Day, about the state of souls in the meanwhile, and about the nature of angels and the devil. So he's saying that's why... This stuff is important. Like, you might think, well, what does it matter? What what you think i mean you know we'll all be set straight after we die anyway but it makes a difference to you now you know what you like what you think is going on where the thoughts and feelings are coming from in your mind and your heart and 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 what's possible for us yeah yeah and i wonder like because when he was writing were those ideas even more prevalent in society and and had more effect on policy are there different ideas that matter now or, or is it the same ones you know yeah well, just even the whole thing, I've talked to people who, who work in the field of, you know, making coffins and stuff like that. Yeah. Like the whole coffin thing is about the fact that you're going to come out of the ground and you need to be, you know, be near a church or something like that. Is that and because, why we do it? You know, and so like cremation doesn't work with that theory. So, you know, there are big things that have ha- happened in our world just because of those oh, yeah. beliefs. You That's know? right. Policy, foreign policy, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, right. Um, so that's, that's like why Swedenborg feels like. We got to talk it's about so this. It's so important. Yeah, yeah, so so important. It's reminding me of a story that he told to someone who was very interested, who wanted to see an angel. You remember that story? What? No, no. Yeah, there there was a there was a cute story. He lived in uh, Swedenborg. Lived in Södermalm, which is an island and part of the archipelago of Stockholm. He lived on an island. He lived on an island, which is kind of cool. What an awesome and dude. pretty pretty big island. And yeah. and um and one of his neighbors was a friend of his, and the neighbor had a daughter, Greta, Greta Ostbom, and uh, she would come over to his house because he was friendly, had this beautiful garden and yeah. maze in it and stuff like that, and she would come over to his house. This happened repeatedly, apparently, as she called him Uncle Swedenborg. They weren't right. actually related, but yeah. but he was like Uncle Swedenborg. Family friend. Right. Family friend, and she would go over there and ask him, I I want to see an angel because she'd heard that he sees angels. Like, hook me up. I want to see an angel. And she came, she, and she lived she, not far down the road. Yeah. So she comes over again and again and again. Yeah. Says, I want to see an angel. So finally, one day, he says, Okay, okay, okay. All right. And he takes him to a place where there's a curtain. He's got a curtain down and he stands her in front of, the, uh, in front of it. And then he lifts the curtain. And this is what she sees. Boom. She sees herself. 
Now, see, what he was saying to her was, you are an angel. You're an yeah. angel in training, That's right? right? You know, <laughs> and she's, I want to see an angel. I want to see an angel. Yeah. Well, part, as part of his theology, is actually pretty yeah. deep. And this story comes down to us, not from Swedenborg, but from the grandson of that former young yeah. girl, you know, right. that uh, that really had an impact. That was a story that came down through the family. That Swedenborg said, "Here, yeah. I'll, I'll show you." An angel. And if she if she still feels like I'm going to tell that story to my grandson, it must have had an impact, you know. And I wonder, and it's a different impact than it would have been if he had somehow been able to, here's an angel and mystically open the veil for her. Right, right. I, I imagine at first, if I put myself in her shoes, it's a little disappointing. It's like, well, like I've seen myself. It. I mean, come on. You know? It's sort of like it's sort of like your reward is the good feeling you get from helping. Oh. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think over time, it really maybe sank into her that wait, this is awesome that yeah. we can be angels. You know that that the, he's saying, hey, you're already an angel. You know. That's right. That's cute. So, and then let's uh, let's just read one more quote here about um, that because because we have this potential to be an angel that our inner self, which we talked about in a previous episode, is actually while we're in this world developing into that angel uh, or into we talked about inner and outer self or I mean. into a demon, depending on what we're up to. So, let's. This is New Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah okay. Forty. Seen in its own right, a spiritual inner self. Is an angel of heaven, and while and is, this is a person on earth, that's like right. your inner self. If you're a spiritual person, that can already be an angel of heaven. Yeah, that's, mm. that's exactly right. And while it is living in the body, it is also in the company of angels, even though it is not aware of being so. Oh, it's not aware. Wow, that's an interesting thought that yeah. you could be surrounded by angels and not even necessarily know it. Yeah, I mean, I know for some people the veil is thin, and they, yeah. they do have those experiences right. and so on. But a, a lot of other people might also be. In heaven among angels, yeah. but they don't even know it because yeah. they're not their senses aren't turned on in the inner self or something. What'd like you that. do this weekend? Uh, nothing, but actually you hung out with angels. That's you right. didn't even know it. Once it is released from the body, it joins them. Oh, that's so nice. A merely earthly inner self, though, when seen in its own right, is not an angel but a spirit and is also oh. in the company of spirits while it is living in the body. However, it is with spirits who are in hell. Hmm. And after it's released from the body, it joins them. So yeah, depending so on which way we, evil we spirits. Turn. Yeah, right. So if you if if you're merely earthly, uh, if that's your focus, kind of thing, then then um, yeah, then you're in in not so good company. You keep the same kind of company. He goes on. The deeper levels of the minds of people who are spiritual are actively raised up towards heaven because that is their primary focus. Well, the deeper levels of the minds of people who are merely earthly are actively turned toward this world because that is their primary focus. And primary focus is like that's what your mind, that's what you think about yeah. when you're not doing anything else or you got some time to kill or yeah. when nobody's looking or something. That's where your mind goes. Yes. You know, that's what you're focusing on. This world That's very interesting, being superficial things, like worldly advantages. And it's not that you can never think about those, but if that's your primary focus, if that's all you're trying your to do. Your whole goal is just that, yeah, to get that. That doesn't get you hanging out with angels, not because they reject you, but just because that's not what they think about. You're too incompatible. You're too different. Yeah. Yeah, they want to be present with you and things that they relate to, like, hey, how about, you know, things of heaven or yes. things about helping right. others or something. You just got nothing to talk about. Yeah. For all of us, our inner levels, which are levels of our higher mind, are turned toward what we love above all. And our outer levels, which are levels of our lower mind, are turned in the same direction as the inner. Ooh. And so there again, it said focus before, and there it said love above all. So yes. the things that you love, uh, what you love and what you focus on, that's kind of determines. Yeah. So that's why it's up to us. We have the choice, right? Yes. We have a choice to be, have a heavenly nature or move in that direction or a, or a hellish nature, depending on where, you know, what is the most exciting, interesting thing to us? You know, what are we moving towards? Where's our passion? And we're about to see in this next section, just how much of an impact what we love and focus on has on the rest of mm. us and our minds. So mm, let's get ready wait. now. It's time for our spiritual world road trip. As always, the uh, spiritual world road trips are informative, 
enlightening. They are taking these principles and putting them into action. So one thing that... Uh, All this beauty behind hmm, us here. Yeah, nice? we're definitely hanging with angels right now. Yeah. So uh, during our lives on Earth, so there's angels and spirits that are around us, as we just heard, right? That's and those right. two sides are not passive. They are directly or, or just through sort of osmosis recruiting us to come join their side. Oh. There's, their angels are constantly trying to get us to think and focus on heavenly things, while demons are trying to do the opposite, get us to think and focus on hellish things. But they can't just force us to do something. They can only influence us according to our own interests, our own affections, huh. or what we indulge in, and what, yeah, what we choose to... Yeah, because you think to... they'd want to just push you around or something. That's you right. Know, and just they, like, hey, think what I think. Yeah. You know, it's important. You know. The demons definitely would, but it's only if we give them something to interact with. Mm. And so, so we're going to go to a story that Swedenborg tells in Spiritual Experiences 647, okay. where he describes a time in which he was being influenced, and just that when, when you've got to focus on something... It doesn't matter who tries to dissuade you from it. So mm. this, the title of this is Speaking and Coaxing are of no avail when the heart is longing, moved by a love. Speaking and coaxing. So in other words, someone else trying to talk you into or out of yes. this without coaxing you. Like, Come on, you shouldn't do that or yeah. nagging or whatever. Yeah. It just doesn't have any effect if your heart is longing and is moved by some, some love. That's okay. right. Through He begins... Through much experience with spirits, I have learned that persuasion contrary to the feelings is of no avail whatsoever. Hmm. For very often my heart has been moved by some feeling, and meanwhile, spirits as well as angels, remember he can hear them, right. would coax, saying that this should be done and not that. But as long as I was gripped by that feeling, their coaxing could have no effect whatsoever, as I even told them in response on several occasions. Yeah, I think, I think there's a little bit of a sense of humor in there. Yeah. It's true. And it's interesting. In so many other stories, like some of the other spiritual road trips we've been on recently, it's about someone else. Yes. And I thought when you introduced this about speaking and coaxing would be about him trying to coax somebody else. But no, he's telling this story about himself. Yeah. That spirits and even angels were lining up, telling him what should be done and what shouldn't. Yeah. And he is just talk to the hand. You know, he's he's completely stubborn. Yeah. You lay, right? lay off me. As I'm long starving. As that, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> if it happened to be a food-related point. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And Chris <laughs> as I told them in response on several occasions, yes. you're getting nowhere, you know. Yeah. I mean, you're wonderful. I love you, but you're getting absolutely nowhere. Because my love is against what what you're saying, and that he he was aware enough to 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 observe it, but still couldn't change it. But you yeah. see here that there is a change. Coming. Oh, really? He says also this that if the feeling shifted only a little, then at once my mind was changed, and I would yield to the persuasion. Mm. And isn't that 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 is so true? That is that amazing. You just see something a little differently. Like you have an idea. Like someone suggests, let's go to the park. And you're like, no, I'm not going to go to the park. I'm thinking of rain. I'm thinking of hard to get a parking spot, all this stuff. But then some something shifts and you remember something fun there. And the whole concept of it as a package is like, of course I'll do that. And then that's when you end up getting in the car. Yeah. And if, if uh, you know, you, this may not have happened to you yet, but if you ever get in an argument with another human being, you know, sometimes people actually quarrel and things like that. What, uh, why would you do that? You, you, you can you can get so intense and stubborn about like my point is right. And yes. you know what I mean? And you're just unmoving. It doesn't matter you, like, if you had all the evidence yeah. in the world or something. Yeah. You're not going to move off the dot. No. But. Because it's not even about the evidence. Once you leave it alone a little bit, take a deep breath or go somewhere else or, you know, yeah. do something for to take a walk or something like that as soon as that cracks then you, i'm sorry i apologize yeah. I, I i don't know what got it like me. no you're you right. know yeah. it, it's so interesting that it can it, he said if the feeling shifted only a little then at once my mind was changed so if you can get that to move a little bit yeah it's a whole it's like a tipping point isn't it yes in a sense boom the whole thing changes around and then he would yield to what the angel you know then he suddenly became available in a different way to this angel input yes Yes, right. So, and from this and many actual experiences, I was unable to learn that all persuasion contrary to one's loves can achieve absolutely nothing. Now, isn't there so much in our world that says that, oh, no, just, just repeat it so many times, it'll become true to them or something? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like persuasion, yeah. all these efforts, all the marketing and all the things that are trying to get you to think this. And, right. But here, this is saying, 
hey, if someone's love is active and is against what you're saying, you will get absolutely nowhere. It's interesting. And now listen and to... And he's observing this in himself. Right. You know. Listen to where mm-hmm. he takes this now. Oh. He says, this is the reason why those spirits who are demons, ah. who operate through the passions, are the most dangerous. Ah, I see. So this is like that thing about there being different levels of hell, yes. right? And the demons are the worst ones, for a very, very deep level. Yeah. And... Uh, the people he calls Satan sometimes will operate through your thoughts. They have false thoughts that yes. counter your thoughts. But here I think he's talking about these demons who operate through your passions. Like they, he even talks about evil spirits that try to bypass your thought process, yeah. just sneak into your feelings and sneak into your heart. And they're the most dangerous. Uh, I can see why, because if they can get your heart they're not even trying to persuade you of anything. They just want your heart to be aimed in a certain direction. Yeah. They can get your heart going in a way that they like. Uh, man, you're a you're a you're a runaway train. You know, yeah. there's, there's nothing can 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 stop you. Well, so we have run. a story here that's both about the influence of our inner self and the focus, but then also the potency of of angels and demons and how that shows up in our life. He finishes, on the other hand, the angel's way of working is to bend minds toward good through the feelings, the Lord so directing. And I see that, oh, that like contrast mm. there of the, the, the demons are working into your passions directly. Angels are trying, they use feelings because as we saw, it's the feelings that do anything. That's right. But they're, it, just the way that that's described seems to be much more like um, they are, they're, they're gentle and they're non-destructive. That they're, hey, will you come right. along with me on this? But I'm going to leave you rational, and I'm going to try to get you to agree in freedom rather than I'm going to try mm. to sneak you into doing whatever I want. It seems like those demons are just sort of inflaming your passions or yeah. something, whereas these angels are actually working with your mind to like give you a thought that goes in a positive direction and leads you toward good through your through your feelings with with the Lord sort of behind the scenes, yeah. you know, managing the whole process. So it doesn't mean that it's a hopeless thing but it's fascinating that that and it, there's kind of a protection in, it in a way that our interests our passions carry the day you know yeah. kind of thing but it's not that it's non-negotiable it's just when that thing is active you can't you can't move that no it's not permanent but if it moves yeah. an inch boom all of a sudden it yeah. can just, kind just of notice these away. cycles in yourself you know, that's right. notice how that you, in our interactions with people, but also just when you're feeling strongly about something like this is how it is. This is how I got it. Just think, okay, well, if I felt differently about this thing, would I would it be different to me? And that that's actually it sounds silly, but there, there's wisdom in that. Yeah, and that this right, that, right, right. To, to just say just because I'm feeling this way now doesn't mean that's how things are. Yes. So hopefully. Hopefully mm. we've given you guys some things to think about in that story and in anything here because we're actually really hoping we gave you something to think about because we're about to do our chat Q&A section. So if you don't have any questions, we're, it's going to be awkward. We're yeah. gonna, so please, please ask some questions as we go into our next section. Because there's got to be some stuff we forgot. Right. That's right. What's on your mind? So we're going to see... Such a huge uh, topic. So if you're there in the YouTube, write your questions into the chat, and we'll be pulling up a few right now, and we're going to start right now. And this is the first one. Jimmy Jennings asks, didn't God know that man would misunderstand the Bible in later times and have the apostles write that Swedenborg would explain everything? So the, yeah, re- the reference, is... first of all, is, isn't that uh, he referencing, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But the spirit right. of truth, that there would be a new understanding that would come. That would come later. That's right. And I know it bothers a lot of people to think that um, why, would you, why would something be written in a way that would be misleading hasn't that know, caused like some if you problems see that's coming <laughs> isn't that what we started saying look there's all these people misinterpreting the bible and it's causing all these false beliefs but beyond that at least we know it leads to all kinds of wars and people have lifetimes of mm. guilt is is it is it worth the risk yeah i know it seems like a huge cost doesn't yeah. it and yet one of the things that swedenborg says about it that that sort of eventually kind of penetrated my mind made me think about it in a different way was that um uh, it has to be written in a kind of 
external language of correspondences. Like he can't just come straight out and say what it is. He has to talk in terms of sheep and grapes and things like that because that's because it's it's holding heaven. It's sort of complicated to talk about, but it, yeah. but it's, it has to have this correspondence. And so there was this huge risk of like thousands of years of misunderstanding. And yet, I think it's it's true that uh, that there was these this foretelling, even in the book of Revelation, where it says that the seven thunders uttered their voice, mm -hmm. and then John heard it, and he was about to write it down. They said, don't write it. Swedenborg yeah. actually says that what he wrote in his book called The Lord, or Doctrine of the Lord, yeah. uh, contained what John heard oh. a couple of thousand years before, yeah. but was not allowed to write. You know, right. And so it's kind of a prediction that the, the, more understanding is going to come at some point. At some point, it'll be revealed what the seven thunders said. Yes. And it has to be that if God is going to let something happen, the sum total of the good that comes out of it is greater than the sum total of the evil. Just because That's it's right. been misused by people and caused misunderstandings, it doesn't mean if there was something else in its place, that could have been worse. Like the the if that right. Superbook says, if God had just straight up wrote exactly what it right. meant, we would have that would have been poisonous because people would have taken that corrupted it that this weird confusing outer sense is actually a protection it's sort of like you're That's you're getting right. it's like you're it's your your you got a little microchip in there that can't get wet and you know it's going to rain so you put this thing around it keeps it dry and then once the good, rain lets up i guess <laughs> yeah and, and then you then you then open you can it up take it out and read plug the chip in. kind of thing and that's where that's we are right. now and that i as far as i understand it nobody in the history of whatever has ever been condemned to hell for their beliefs swedenborg says right. in divine providence number 101 that you aren't even asked what your religion is when you get to the other world or whatever you no. know it's just what kind of a life what sort of a person were you what's your primary you know? focus yeah what's you your primary focus or what did you love how did you treat other people and things like that uh, so it wasn't at risk of people's salvation but it's just yeah. a lot of confusion yeah. that needs clearing up when people go to the other side yeah. same thing happened to swedenborg yeah he went with all that confusion yeah. and, and, oh, big learning experience. So I don't know if we've added to the confusion just now or yes. hopefully helped a few things. But anyway, thanks so much, Jimmy Jennings. Yeah, good, let's, good. Let's look at the Stimulating next one. question. This is Matt Klein. Hey, Matt Klein. Did EM say anything about how demons always knew who Jesus was? even when people around him did not understand who he was. Because mm. you have these instances of Jesus goes out into the wilderness and there's somebody possessed by a demon. And and even mm. his Jesus' disciples at that time are saying, well, we're not sure who you are. Maybe you're John the Baptist. But the, the possessed person is like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, why are you here? Are you here to torment us before the time? Yeah. And Yeah, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? In the New Testament, the demons are way more on top of who Jesus is yeah. than anybody else uh so does swedenborg comment swedenborg does comment on that um yes on the clarity and because of being in that spiritual world they could see who he was that he was kind of um a little bit disguised here yeah you know what i mean he he, he it was important that he not appear to be like the thundering god of the universe you know mm -hmm. uh, just so people could make up their own minds about his message you know yeah. So he he seemed um, like just sort of ordinary, I think, to 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 some people. Yeah. But the evil spirits who could see behind the scenes knew exactly uh, what was going on. I think about so I have everything that's happening on a large scale also happens on a smaller scale inside our minds. I feel mm. like I've seen this principle play out inside me because if you think of the 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 harmful sort of destructive thoughts and feelings in us as the evil spirits. Um, when like things that I feel like are divine truth, which mm. is like Jesus Christ, when those show up, even if to my just regular rational Curtis self, I'm like, well, I don't know if that's true or not about divine providence. When I apply those principles in my mind, suddenly the, the demon parts are like, <gasps> like ah. it takes away all their, like they, the, I think those parts of the mind, those stories that are written about me or about life that, that are from hell they immediately recoil from from the divine truth. Yeah. It's almost like the, the thoughts in our minds that are sort of neither good nor bad don't really notice it, but the thoughts that are directly opposed to God in heaven immediately have a reaction. So I wonder if that's that playing out. I love the, the way that, that, that that works. And I've seen things like that too in just human interactions that 
when something comes in, like things, I don't know how to put this into words, but, but you may have some interaction. Let's say there's some committee or something like that. And things just seem pretty normal. Yeah. And then someone introduces something that's so heavenly. It's just interesting. Sometimes other people just freak out of it. They just have a reaction. You know what I mean? Uh, because something of the Lord came into the room and then yeah. this other thing just sort of cries out. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, so sometimes you even see that in human interaction, it seems like. So whatever's true about Jesus and the demons has got to be true about all kinds of other aspects of life. Because That's everything right. follows everything. Yes, it's a picture. And every what's depicted there in the New Testament is a, a sort of permanent picture of you know, how things work, like yeah. things in our minds work that way, as you were just That's saying. why it's sacred, because it's it's eminently, eminently useful. Yeah. You know, no matter who you are, no matter where your life is, this is teaching you something about your own life, which yeah. is, which is hip. Right. Thanks, Matt, for the That's question. Good. Speaking of hip, let's do another one. Stop the Laughter asks, do all beings, angels, demons, know what they are, or do, do they perceive themselves as human still? And my sense is angels what know what question. they are. Demons think they're still people. Yeah, that's a good that's a good response. Angels are more in touch with the truth. And um, but one of the things that Swedenborg talks about is that when people go to the other world, there's some point at which they're told that they're no longer in this world, you know, that they've passed on. And generally, my impression is that uh, people who are really, really nasty and devoted to evil just kind of forget that pretty quickly. Like it doesn't sink in. They think they're still alive yeah. here in this world. They just, and sometimes you remind them, they go, oh, I forgot all about that. I'm yeah. an idiot. You know, I forgot all about that when the angel told me that I died and everything. Um, and I think the way that people appear to each other is, you know, in hell or in heaven is, is just hum people look like, Yes. regular human beings. We talked a little bit in a few weeks ago about when the light of heaven shines in and then yeah. pe people in hell will look monstrous in that situation. And I think that they, um, angels have a better remembrance too of like, I think they remember who they were in this world mm. and what happened. Although some of that is sort of made quiet. Yeah. But uh, Swedenborg talks about evil spirits who just have no clue who they were in this, like they've yeah. completely forgot. They've gone into this sort of fantasy about themselves or right. something like that. Yeah, and the funny thing is, um, angels are more human than we are. Like, it was, as Swedenborg defines the term human, is that human is this aspect of God that we are sort of an echo out of. But, but you have this phase here, what we call human, which is when we're in the body, but actually our, our bodies just imitate sort of the true spiritual forms yeah, that are out right. there. But so angels, though, do understand better, like you're saying, oh, that once you were in a body, but now we know what we are. Angels, it's like they've got the lights on or they got the Internet or something. They know, like, yeah. we're in heaven. This is how heaven is. Right. This is how earth is. God is in charge of this here. Demons have a very, uh, very... Um, imaginary illusory picture of what reality is that right. a lot of them don't know yeah don't know that there is a life after death even though that they are in the life after death and and many of them as Swedenborg says either long to be or still are think they still are in the right. body that's right but yet there is sort of <laughs> some of the because they're as we we're saying before they're thinking in an earthly worldly way that's that's the only kind of happiness they can find so god has kind of structured things so that they can feel as much as possible like they are there they're the light of heaven when it's not shining they appear to each other yeah. in a human form and they appear like they're relatively good looking people and that that's because that's and the best just, way to live yeah, yeah for them at the time but the answer is like angels always know more than we do and demons although they they know certain areas of life really well like how to get what they want through devious means right. their broad pictures is totally skewed Yes, and there's and there's some pretty. I mean, Swedenborg does. He kind of uses the word "stupid" quite a bit, and that's no offense about them. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Right. Right. So, so there's a certain level of stupidity there. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And different that sometimes is sometimes when there's a lot of cleverness. He calls it insanity. That they're even right. though you know you really well know how to mess with somebody. If it's crafty and malicious. You don't and, even yeah. realize though that what yeah. you're doing is not only destroying other people, it's slowly destroying yourself. You're insane. Right. Yeah. But 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 right. So, so that's right. That's right. That's what we've heard. 
anyway thanks so much stop the laughter uh and we will we will stop the laughter just in case that was a message to us uh let's that's it actually it flew by but uh wow. interacting with you guys as the audience was it's nice to let them get at least a word in edgewise how about we give them like a whole eight minutes yeah let's let's now right. meet an an audience member in our next section Hey everybody, I'm lucky enough to be sitting here with Chris Dunn, who does community relations for Swedenborg Foundation, which means he's answering a lot of your wonderful comments and questions, but also uh, just happens to be a, a Swedenborg enthusiast. So I want to know, you know, you weren't raised Swedenborgian, you didn't always know about him, so I want to know a little bit about how did you find the whole Swedenborg thing? Yeah, well, it's it's... It's a story that constantly moves me because it speaks to just how we're led and how uh, we don't really know what's happening with our lives at any yeah. given moment. Um, I was a former Catholic and I took a job as a fundraiser in, in this town. Yes. And so I was working with a college and a church that, that was founded on uh, the faith of the new church. So this is Swedenborg. Yeah. And I remember I had no real idea of the power of what Swedenborg was writing about um, when I first came in. And I remember just looking up on the internet, like, who is Swedenborg? What's he about? Because you were trying to be able to do your job well. Yeah, because obviously, you know, as a fundraiser, if you're working with donors, you want to be able to connect with them on really meaningful topics. And for a lot of people around here, faith, uh, the faith of the new church is a really important topic. So I just got to read Swedenborg as a means of getting to know my donors. Yeah. And it completely opened up a, a world that has led me in ways that I cannot imagine. And it's given me the greatest joy. That's awesome. And you found our, our videos pretty early in that yep. search, right? Yep. I remember the first video I found. It was uh, the universal categories of love. With the lawnmower. Yep. Lawnmower yep. video. Okay. And it opened up this idea of the internals of ourselves. Like what's going on inside of ourselves. The loves that we have. The things that we value. They all connect to the spiritual world. Everything is connected. And the way in which we order and prioritize what we're doing in our life and what we have an affection for, that matters. And we can actually be setting ourselves up to receive heaven by how we love and what we put as important. Well, and we wanted to do this interview with you because you are probably as much or more hyped up about Swedenborg than anybody that I know. So I, wanna, I, I want you to share a little bit of what is, why did you stick around? Why did you start to get interested apart from your job? What's Swedenborg doing for you? Yeah, well, I can't say this strongly enough. This stuff is revolutionary. It is absolutely um, the most remarkable thing that I've ever discovered in my life. Yeah. And there are so many different facets of Swedenborg's writings that would qualify what makes this revolutionary. Okay. Um, let me just start with a few that are close to my heart. Yeah. The idea that there is an internal sense to the to the Bible, there are there is a level that the angels understand that we can enter into and and, and help to see uh, the the true meaning behind the stories in the Word through Swedenborg. That to me is is revolutionary, mm. and I want to I want to just throw this out there as a, as a Protestant and as a Catholic yeah. formerly. When I was reading the stories in the Bible, say, we'll take um, stories about violence in the Old Testament. Uh, you can look at in Exodus, Joshua being uh, called to destroy different tribes in the land of Canaan. It's a bad one. It's yeah. a bad one. And growing up, how do you hold or how do you grapple with this divine identity of this book and the inherent massacres that are going on yeah. uh, in the name of God? That doesn't jive well, and it actually, for me called into question the credibility of that book. Yeah. Because what's, where's the love there? It's, it's violence. What you realize in the internal sense is that that's actually about your battle against evils and falsities inside of yourself. Yeah. So as Joshua took up arms against these different tribes and uh, fought against them in Canaan to make way for the Israelites, we fight the things inside of ourselves that take us away from love and God and our neighbor. And in that fight, that's where we find true victory. 
we find the place where we can finally settle after defeating those evils and falsities, we can settle in to something better. That completely shifts the way you hold the word. <laughs> yeah. It takes away any sense of doubt yeah. about what that story is about, and it transforms it into a sense of, hey, this story is not only uh, making sense now, but it's about me. It's about what I can do to grow. It goes from being a major liability to being an asset. Totally. Like, right away. I, I love it. And I've, I've had the same kind of feeling. So there's one. Yep. What else, what else do you like? <sighs> Man, well... Let me just say one more thing about the internal sense. Okay, don't let me stop you. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's... So, you have one level in the word, which is, uh, say, things that don't necessarily jive based upon violence or what have you. But you also have strange things in the word. Like, take uh, the end of the uh, Gospel of John, where Jesus um, is seen by the disciples. They're out trying to fish all night. And these guys are like totally not catching anything. Yeah. They're PO'd, uh, nothing's working. They're fishing on the left side of the boat and for whatever reason, they're just failing big time. And then Jesus comes out and says, hey guys, like, why don't you just fish on the right side of the boat? Like just switch sides. And all of a sudden they can't catch enough fish. There's so much fish that they don't know what to do. And then they, from that place, go to the shore and have a meal with Jesus. What is that about? Like, do you just, is it just because you switch sides? Like just, just switch sides. Just, just yeah. go to the right side. Uh, it'll be fine. Yes. That's a strange thing to read. And how is this divine commentary on something? It just seems like, okay, what's the takeaway? Just follow instructions? Yeah. Or yeah. What is it? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, what Swedenborg says is that the right side talks about operating from a place of love. And letting all of the truth that you know and you come to, that you come to uh, acquire qualify the good things that you do. So it's not about living a life uh, of, you know, just throwing truth out there and just, you know, operating from the, the sphere of truth. But it's letting that truth set your heart on fire. And letting that become the operating system of you actively converting that truth into good. Um, that place of love is fishing from the right side of the boat. If that's your operating system, is that, if that's how you engage with the world, you'll reap a lot of reward, spiritual reward. And so that's a really powerful insight into the way we're supposed to be living our lives. Um, you know, St. Francis, one of my favorite, uh, when I was a Catholic, he was my patron saint. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a quote associated with him that says, preach the gospel at all times, uh, and only if necessary, use words. Let your life be a living testimonial to your faith, yeah. the way in which you live. So we could sit here and talk about this forever. And I love hearing you talk about it because, as I said before, you're hyped about it. You know, and I, I like knowing that the material can create the kind of impact yeah. th that it did in your life. And I, I just want to say thanks for, for taking a moment to share some of that. And we look forward to continuing to hear from you as, as the journey develops. Yeah, and thanks so much for having me. And I just want to say... I love connecting with people on Swingboard Foundation. Off yeah. left eye, I'm so passionate about this, and everyone on this community is amazing. So I feel blessed. That's all of you. Thank you so much. So that was fun getting to hang out with Chris because That's yeah, sure, right. it's sort of cheating because he like works here, but he just he just started working here, and he not that long ago he was just like. Anybody watching the program and finding Swedenborg, so it's just cool to get to hear what moves him. Great. We want to hear a little more of what moves all of you because we're to the point where we're doing our ice melter, which is we answering the hearing your answers to the question in the icebreaker. That's right. Which, if you don't remember, the question was what biblical stories, internal sense are you most curious about? So, mm. did we get any takers on this? We've been furiously compiling it behind the scenes. This is what we got from the Old Testament. And by the way, there was a bunch, there were so many of these. We've got such a big response, we couldn't even include them all here. So if you don't see yours, we'll get you next time. Very sorry. Garden of Eden. We had the Tower of Babel. We had Sodom and, hey, John Childs. Sodom and Gomorrah. We had Parting the Red Sea. All mm, of those that's great. fascinating stories. And then the Book of Job. And I'm, oh, yeah. I'm with you on that because Swedenborg doesn't really give much on the Book of Job. But I think he I love it. He gives a lot of details, yeah. but not the whole sweep of the thing. That's right. right. Yeah. Jonah and the whale, mm. and then Ezekiel's vision. 
Yeah, that's right. Let's see. Okay, so that's just Good the examples. Old Testament, though, and all of those. That's a bunch of meaning in there. This here's and the New Testament. They're great. They're great stories, and you wonder, yeah, what do yeah. those things mean? The Immaculate Conception. Mm. Wow, that's a good one. Mr. Binker's the cat. Jesus had a recorded ancestry all the way to Adam. At what point did the ancestor not become a literal person? Yes, right. And you've got those two genealogies. One goes up mm-hmm. and the other goes down. Yeah. Matthew versus Luke and all that. Yeah, so who's who was sitting there like, well, my dad wasn't actually a literal person. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> when, te- when Jesus was tempted in the desert, Keith, three people, Keith, mm. Hannibal, Matthew, Bush. And then finally... Revelation by far. That's right. Book of and who who wouldn't? And Swedenborg mm. we, wrote two different book series yes, on the Book did. of Revelation. That's right. Like some eight volumes or something. So, he wrote on and he didn't even cover everything that's in there. Yeah, that's so right. did Swedenborg speak about an inner meaning of Paul's comment, Second Corinthians twelve nine? But he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." Wow, interesting, interesting question. Yeah. As far as I know, I don't know whether he comments on that. There are some places where he just lists passages and things like right. that. Uh, I don't remember him discussing that specifically, but that idea of weakness, uh, he like strength through weakness, Yeah. he gets to that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm thinking of that story in Revelation 3 where uh, it's... Um, the Church of Philadelphia, as it turns out, and it says that you you have a little strength and have not, you know, uh, given up on my name or something like that. Yeah. And the little strength means powerlessness, like how important it is yes. that we see ourselves as relatively powerless. That's a good thing. And the Philadelphia is like one of the best of the seven churches in those letters, and and part of it is that powerlessness. So he talks about things like that. But I love that that. Uh, Epistle that statement about the, you know, the thorn and the strength through weakness. And that See our episode, the meaning of the Book of Revelation, letters to the seven churches. For what all of those, yeah, churches right. letters means according to Swedenborg. Mm. Thank you so much, everyone. And I do feel like on Swedenborg's birthday, I mean, it's sort of Swedenborg's birthday. It's sort today. of his birthday. It's sort of because there was this whole thing with the Gregorian calendar that Jonathan was. Anyway, he was sort of born today. Yes. <laughs> Uh, he might be glad to know that there was there's a bunch of people hungry for the inner meaning of parts of the Bible. Oh, because be when he was out. writing, nobody was looking for that. That's right. Yeah, and a lot of people just sort of, oh, I don't think so, and yeah. just push back and all yeah. that kind of thing. So I think it would thrill him that there were four slides and we couldn't even fit everything in. That's great. And and I think not just because he's like, well, now people care about my subject material, but to him, this was a huge opportunity cost the human race was incurring on itself because the, the inner meaning that, Chris, you saw so pumped up about. Yes, that's right. That is, some, that is the greatest tool the the most com- complete instruction manual to life is as crazy as that sounds that exists right. and so right. and so you've got to for, for us to be trying to get in there figure out what's in it swedenborg says that all the message everything you hear on this show was somehow pulled out in conjunction that's with right. that so yeah and you, to yeah. rescue that the the bible from oblivion no i think is the human race was kind of getting more and more sophisticated in some ways. It's just like we would just throw that thing out because rationally, like so hard to deal with. And so it was so great that that someone came along and said, no, 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 before you throw that out, it's really awesome. You know, have another look at it. Uh, Can I explain? Because maybe somebody online has a question about what do you mean sort of birthday, (laughs) right? Yeah, we better better follow up on that. You have have two minutes or one one minute. I I think I can do it in one minute. So there was a Julian calendar. And then there was the Gregorian calendar because the Julian calendar didn't take into account, uh, you know, it was a little wrong. It needed to get no leap year on the centuries and things like that. So it got off by about 10 days by the time Swedenborg was born. So the day that Swedenborg was born was called January 29th, which is today. But it was actually what we now know as February the 8th, 10 days later. And there's some meaning to me in the fact that it's February the 8th because it's sort of like halfway through winter, like a time, times, and half a time. That's spring, summer, and fall, and then half of winter. And that's when he's born. You know, it's like part of the new thing. And anyway, uh, moving through all that too quickly. But so that's what it has to do with it. it nominally, yes, it was January 29th. If you asked him, what was your birthday? So January 29th. 
But in 1753, when he was 65 years old, his birthday changed, like, like they changed the calendar. So, Did he get two yeah. birthdays that year? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. That, and that would make it all worth it. That would make it worthwhile, having yes. that short month and everything. And yeah. hopefully you guys have all felt like this was worthwhile. Not just our explanation of Swedenborg. <laughs> happy, happy sort of birthday, Swedenborg, but the whole show. It's been worthwhile to us just because we know that we're hanging out with all of you, and we super appreciate that. Yes, indeed. And we hope we can do it again soon. Uh, if we're going to be back on the air next week, if you enjoyed this week, like and subscribe. That helps us get out onto the YouTube. If you want to support the show and make it possible, consider joining us on Patreon, mm. which is our little rewards program. You give a dollar per episode of the show. We give you behind-the-scenes footage. It's a way for us to say thanks for making this possible as a nonprofit. That's how we do it. So check that out. And we will be back 8 o'clock Eastern Time next week where we're going to be talking about a little thing called love. What does Swedenborg nice. mean when he says love? Because nice even topic. love is not what you might think. Thanks again, Dr. Jonathan Rose, for hanging out. Thanks, Curtis. Thanks Good to fun. all of you. Good to see, see you, everybody. Swedenborg in Life is Amy Aquarola, Morgan Beard, Curtis Childs, Karen Childs, Matthew Childs, Alexa Cole, John Connolly, Cara Dom, Chris Dunn, Stuart Farmer, Ben Keyes, Reed McArdle, Chelsea Odner, Jonathan Rose, Shiloh Silverman, and Shada Sullivan.